Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Rushmore Coffee Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mighty Air 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Uh, a lot to get into on a Monday, so let's head out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline. And joining us now from the Sporting Tribune, Steve Karp. Steve, how are you? Good, good. It's a busy week coming up. Uh, we've got Conference football in Vegas, Pac-12 on Friday, Mountain West Saturday. Oh, yeah. So, uh, listen, I mean, that, 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 the, you got a preview of what your week's going to look like. Uh, you spent the weekend at, at Allegiant Stadium. Before we uh, touch on uh, what you did on Saturday, let's, let's first talk about uh, the top story on the Sporting Tribune today. The Raiders lost to the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. However, I mean, they, they, they looked very good uh, in the first um half or at least through the you know the beginning of the first um, two quarters when they had a 14 to nothing lead on the Kansas City Chiefs and you were thinking you know maybe they might pull the upset that did not happen the Chiefs come away with the victory Steve what did you see in that game and um yeah. is this sort of the end of sort of our, our our thinking that this team may sneak into the playoffs at the end you know what they're gonna have a hard time at this point the, the, there's six teams ahead of them, and they're all playing winning football. So for the Raiders to get to the playoffs, they have to virtually win out and hope they can leapfrog enough of these teams to get in yeah. as a wild card. Obviously, the Chiefs are going to win the uh, division, and they are playing to try to get into a, a wild card situation for the playoffs. I think right now they should be focusing on just trying to get better as a football team as a whole. Yeah. And and try to win more quarters that would lead to winning games. Like you said, Arash, they had a wonderful first quarter and five minutes. Yeah. I'd say like 18 or 19 minutes of superior football. But as I wrote in the Sporting Tribune, when you're playing the defending Super Bowl champions, it's got to take more than 18 good men for football to beat them. Because we all know that Patrick Mahomes, at some point, the light's going to go on. And he's going to figure it out. Andy Reid is going to figure it out. They're going to get going offensively. And defensively, they'll make the adjustments with Steve Spagnuolo as their D coordinator. You know, I was thinking watching the game that, you know what, maybe they really do miss Eric Bieniemy as their offensive coordinator. Yeah. But then, then I realized, wait a minute. 
it's the quarterback that made the offensive coordinator successful with the Chiefs. And Patrick Mahomes, to me, is really one of the special players that we've seen in this era. You know, we, we, you know now that Tom Brady's retired, it'd be hard not to say that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football. Exactly. I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah. But, but I mean, the guy, even when he's not 100% on, he still finds ways to beat you. Whether it's, you know, getting it to, to Kelsey or, you know, Pacheco. I mean, he's just very smart. He's been there. He knows what's going to happen. He reacts so well to adversity. And, and that's where the Raiders, it's not that they couldn't handle success with their 14-0 early lead in the second quarter. They just weren't able to sustain it. And that's what eventually did them in on Sunday. So as you look at the schedule, I mean, the one thing about their schedule, it, 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 I mean, the, no one thought that, you know, when they looked at the schedule that they were going to beat Miami and that they were going to beat Kansas City. They did not. Um, uh, when you look at their schedule, there are some winnable games there. I mean, wh wh your thoughts mm -hmm. on how they can close out the uh, season? All right. You, you think they have winnable games, right? Okay. Let's go through the schedule if you have Yeah, it. they're, they're going to play Minnesota a week from Sunday. They get the week off for their bye which probably comes at a good time, frankly, because, you know, Max Crosby's hurting. They've got some issues off the field again. Um, I think it might be a good time to reboot everything, okay. both emotionally and physically for the Raiders. All right, so Minnesota is an improved football team, even without Kirk Cousins. Then... They're on a short week. They're going to host the Chargers on the 14th on Thursday night. And, you know, we all know that the Chargers are just a mess. Yes. I mean, that's a given. Then they're going to go play at Kansas City on Christmas Day. That's a loss. You really see them winning there? No. no. That, is the, uh, that is for sure. <laughs> the Colts the following week yeah. are playing better. And the Broncos, they close out the season at home against the Denver team, which finally has figured things out under Sean Payton. And Russell Wilson's played much better football. Uh, so you tell me, where are these wins coming from? I mean, I, it's nice to be optimistic if yeah. you're a Raider fan. But honestly, I'm not sure they're going to win another game. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's so interesting because... We had Fernando Ramirez on, and again with the Chargers playing on Sunday night, he's going to come. Uh, he, he's going to join us tomorrow. But um, he told me that before the Packers game, and so far it's been true. He said, "I don't know if the Chargers are going to win another game this season." So so far, yeah, it's that conversation. They've lost to the Packers. They've lost to uh, the uh, Baltimore last night, Sunday night football. Um, and then now they're and they didn't look good, by the way, doing it. They, 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 <laughs> they did didn't. not look good, Arash. So now they're in a similar boat where on Monday, uh, we could maybe hear word, but by the way, when we're taping this, uh, 
this this may have already come down. My get my generally speaking, the Spanos family is not the type of a uh, group that would fire the coach midseason. That being said, if you believe that the team has moved on, that they have that he's lost the locker room, um, yeah, I mean, I could see them handing the reins to Kellen Moore because really. Because Brandon wow. Staley's calling the defense, and he's refusing to give up that responsibility. So he's like, "Well, I'm going to continue to call the defense. I'm going to continue." At some point, you're like, "Okay." By the way, it's amazing in my view that he came back this season after the way that the last two seasons came to a close, certainly yeah. blowing one of the biggest uh, leads in postseason history. But we'll see right. what they do. The Spanish family, generally speaking, does not fire coaches midseason. Um, Right. What what's happened with this team is yeah. crazy. But all right, well, maybe that's the one game the Raiders do win. Okay, you know, playing on the short week at home against the Chargers. You know, one of their old rivals going back to the original AFL. I could see that one. Yeah, I could. You know, but I, I just think winning at Kansas City, winning at Indianapolis the following week. And then playing, you know, Denver's playing much better since they played them, you know, in week one. But all this being said, this is still a referendum on, from the Raiders' perspective, Antonio Pierce as a possible permanent head coach. And a lot of players are playing for their jobs. Yeah. My opinion. Now, I'm not talking about Max Crosby. And I'm not talking about Devontae Adams. But, you know, a guy like Josh Jacobs, a guy like, uh, you know, Hunter Renfro, you know, uh, a guy like maybe Robert Spillane. I mean, really good good players who may or may not fit the scheme of whoever the coach is going to be. Because, all right, hypothetically, let's say Jim Harbaugh gets hired to coach the Raiders. Yeah. Well, he may not be comfortable with Aiden O'Connell as his quarterback going forward. He may want to, you know, try to revive Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, which I don't know would nah, work or I, not work I, under I, him. I think that it certainly wasn't sorry. working under Josh yeah. McDaniels, right? Exactly. So, and and we don't know if Champ Kelly's going to be the general manager going forward. You know, right now the Raiders are are in the midst of scouting and putting together. Their dossiers on people they may want to consider drafting. I don't know if Cham Kelly's going to be the guy making those decisions on, you know, on draft week. Do you? No, it's hard I mean, to say, right? So I mean, you know, listen. I, I I think if this season closes the way that you think it will, and by the way, the the way, like I don't know if they'll be favored in another game this season. Maybe the Chargers game. Chargers well, game they might. Yeah. So, Maybe Denver if Denver goes into exactly. a late season slide. But let's just say they don't win another game. I think the two things like uh, become clear. And, and despite the fact that they won their first two games with Pierce as the head coach, I mean, I don't think Pierce at that point is in the conversation to be the permanent head coach. You know, if they had an amazing uh, turnaround, they got into the playoffs uh, like Rich Pisaccia. Maybe, right. But I think if they if they just totally flame out and are below 500, don't make the playoffs, he's out. Champ, I, I, I would agree, you know, but here's the thing. Who's the head coach? Do, do, they, do they swing for the fences? And I don't like when coaches are also the GMs 
But if they say, forget the whole, like, let's do New England 2.0, well, let's bring in the actual guy. Let's bring no. in actually Bill Belichick. No, because you, know. you don't have Tom Brady to run the offense. That's true. You know, I mean, yeah, you know, Belichick, I can see the Chargers maybe hiring. That, that so is the, that's been the, uh, that, that, that is the I can talk. see happening, but I, I don't see the Raiders go the Patriot way again. Do you think <laughs> it that, just again, doesn't work? As someone who's followed his career since he was the defensive coordinator at, at the Giants with the Giants under Bill Parcells, do you, yeah. do you not think he is capable of being a championship coach without Tom Brady? Who's this quarterback? Well, let's just say it's it, Herbert. It, so let's say so he Justin say, Herbert. Are we saying can Justin Herbert win with Bill Belichick coaching him? I don't know if they will have Tom Brady-like success, but I think they would be better. Yeah. I do believe that because I think Justin Herbert is a winning NFL quarterback. I think he is talented and good enough to take a team perhaps to the Super Bowl. It is so now, hard. You, win or not, you know, look, look, what happened last year with Philly, right? Yeah. You know, did, you think, did you really believe Jalen Hurts was the Super Bowl quarterback during the season in Philly? Not really. But, you know, the Eagles had pieces around him, a good defense, and a very good coach in Nick Serrani. And yeah. so you look at those things. And, you know, also, you know, the Chargers also have to get healthy. You know, no, you know, no Boza. And, and, and they got to add some pieces, obviously, as well, because they're, they're certainly not complete or whole in terms of being a true Super Bowl contender. I mean, right now, you know, they're, they're kind of at the bottom with the Raiders looking up at, at yeah. the Chiefs and even Denver. So, Within their own division, they, they're not ready to to take on that of a, a championship team. But, you know, Belichick, I don't think he forgot how to coach. I do think he really misses having a quarterback he can trust. Yeah. And, you know, look, you know, for the Giants to win today, 10 to 7, or, or Sunday, 10 to 7. Yeah. That speaks volumes about how much Belichick and the Patriots have slipped. Oh, That's yeah. a game they should not have lost. I don't care if you and I are quarterbacks. <laughs> they they should have been able to beat Tommy DeVito and the Giants. And, and they didn't. You know, so they're not going anywhere right now. I'm pretty sure Bob Kraft is going to make the very hard decision at the end and, and let Belichick, you know, leave on his own terms. And exactly. They've got to find a, a new path going forward. And frankly, that path does not mean the return of Dave Ziegler and no. Josh McDaniels to Gillette Stadium. That would be well, no. as I think, foolish and yeah. stupid as what Mark Davis did. Exactly. Uh, all right, switching gears. Big. Uh, well, we have uh, two big back-to-back uh, -back games happening at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. Uh, two big college games. You got the Pac-12 championship game, University of Oregon and Washington. Uh, two of the top five teams. The winner will not only win the Pac-12 championship, but will go on to the college football playoff. But for you, Steve, you were at Allegiant on Saturday for UNLV's game. Now, despite 
the way that game turned out. They will be hosting the Mountain West Conference Championship game against Boise State. Tickets, by the way, if you're thinking about going, $20 will get you into the door. A heck of a deal when you when you consider how expensive uh, tickets are, are for games. So hopefully that will help uh, pack it as much as possible. But, uh, yeah. Steve, I guess two-part question. What happened on Saturday and be your thoughts on UNLV going into the game this week? I thought UNLV, as the coaching staff, didn't have them prepared to play because San Jose State was really the hottest team in the whole Mount West. Yeah. They, they, they had gone on a real heater with, with five straight wins, and they started out one and five. You know, Ross, you saw them, didn't you? Yeah. Against well, USC? I think the they first or second, right? Exactly. They yeah. didn't look very good. No. So, I mean, you know, Barry Owens is going to be the coach of the year in the Mountain West because he's done a great job at UNLV, but Brent Brennan did a remarkable job in turning San Jose State season around. So, they, they fall behind early, and unlike the Chiefs on Sunday, UNLV was never able to play catch-up. And, and San Jose State won the game and, and looked convincing in doing it. And there was a lot of speculation leaving the Allegiant Stadium Saturday that the Spartans were going to wind up hosting on Saturday in a rematch against UNLV. But people forgot about them going to Boise, <laughs> losing last month to the Broncos, and therefore Boise State had a higher computer ranking, and therefore they're playing UNLV, not San Jose State. Yeah. You know, San Jose State grad, it's a little disappointing, but see, here's where not having divisions mm wound up making things different, all right? Because if there's a still a mountain and a West division, Boise wins the mountain by virtue of beating Air Force, they're in. If there's a West division like they've been, San Jose State would be in the title game against Boise yeah, because they would have beaten UNLV head-to-head. But since it's just all 12 teams now, you know, when you include Hawaii, yeah, you know it had to go to the BCS computers. So when I woke up Sunday morning, I saw that I didn't have to worry about trying to get to San Jose <laughs> or UNLV San Jose State. Instead, I'll just make the nice drive over from Summerlin to Allegiant Stadium Saturday afternoon for UNLV versus Boise State. Which, by the way, should be a very entertaining game. We have Boise State. You know they they let their head coach go a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And the, the guy in the interim, he's, you know, he's coaching for his job to yeah. see about maybe he can keep it. If they win the game and go to a bowl and win, Hey, maybe he keeps the job. Who knows? A lot of crazy stuff going on in, in college football. And of course, at UNLV, there's so much speculation that, you know, Barry Odom could be a one hit wonder, one done. But I think he's going to stay because I think they're going to try to find the money yeah. to keep him. And, and as I wrote in the Sporting Tribune Saturday, the key to all this is, is Eric Carpenter, the athletic director. Can he find the resources? So now we keep Barry Odom in Vegas, 
but his staff. Yeah. Because as you know, Ross, without a good football staff, you're not winning. Yeah. Consistently. So we'll see what happens. Can we talk about the Pac-12 very quickly? Well, listen, we got six, 60 seconds, Steve. So you're really oh, quick. So yes, By the way, two, I'm just two. looking so forward to that game Friday. Exactly. Yeah. So this is going to be, I watched the, the first game up in, in Seattle, and it was one of the best games all year. And I think yeah. we're going to see a, another repeat with Oregon and and uh, Washington. Of course, two Heisman candidates in uh, Bo Nix of the Ducks and Michael Penix of the Huskies. By the way, great, great uh, back-to-back days of college football for Las Vegas. That game is sold out, by the way. Great for tourism. Uh, you know, it goes without saying to get all those fans from the mm-hmm. Pacific Northwest to come out there. And by the way, listen, if you're a fan of either of those schools, stay for a day. Stay, stay for a night. Uh, you know, or, or uh, you know, check out the Mountain West game as well. It'd be great to pack that uh, place with as many fans as possible. But Steve... Uh, yeah. Great back-to-back weeks of football, a, a, a weekend of football for you once again this upcoming week as well. Let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll be joined by the Sporting Tribune's uh, Grant Mora and Brendan Deutsch talking about the Lakers and the Clippers when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 from the California, the Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment, or want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, Call our hotline, 310-400-0340. All right, let's uh, head back out to the Circus Sports guest hotline. And joining us now from the Sporting Tribune, Grant Mona and Brandon Deutsch. Uh, let's start here. Uh, the Rams, not that I expected them to lose, but that was a very dominant victory in uh, Phoenix against the Cardinals. And um, now, you know, you're looking at the standings. And they got Cleveland next week at SoFi Stadium. If they can win that, they're at 506 and 6. I mean, if you had told me <laughs> just a few weeks ago that this team would have a pathway towards making the playoffs, and now they're getting healthier, as Grant uh, talked about in his uh, column in the Sporting Tribune. Man, the, the Rams have a shot. Uh, Grant, your, your thoughts on the game and where the, this team is at right now? Yeah, you know, first of all, I want to go back to the game against the Seahawks because I think that was the turning point, honestly, for this run that they could go on. If they didn't win that Seahawks game, yeah. I don't think that they would, 
even care about this game at all. They'd probably have Carson Wentz starting if that was the case. Uh But to come into Arizona, a team that they've dominated for years, Sean McVay has always been really good against the Arizona Cardinals for whatever reason. To go into Arizona, you know, and and play the way that you did with Matthew Stafford right off the jump, they looked like a team that was confident, a team that wanted to make a push for the playoffs because there's a lot of Rams fans that I'm seeing around social media saying, why are we trying to win? Oh, God, we're going to win this game. Why are we trying to win? We want a better draft pick. And at this point, the Rams and the front office and the brass and Sean McVay do not care about that statement because they are trying to win football games. And that is purely evident now. Um, they looked fantastic. Kyron Williams came back. He had over 200 total yards. Um, he is a fantasy beast. He is a team beast. He is everything that you'd want in an RB1. And to have him back, it kind of changes the complexion of how that Rams offense looks. You know, Matthew Stafford, he had that banged up thumb. It looks like it's getting better and better. He looked fantastic today. Like I said, through four touchdowns, two to Tyler Higby, which they kind of got him going as well. So if you look at the complete package of this team and, and what it can be, this is kind of the team that we saw the first couple weeks that took the Niners to the brink and that played the Seahawks very well and beat them in Seattle. When this team is healthy, I st- I'm going to say this, they can compete with anybody in the NFL, and I mean anybody, and they've proven that they can play up to par with the Niners and with the Eagles and, you know, not the Cowboys. The Cowboys demolished them, but, you know, they can compete with anybody in the league, and Look, they're one game out of a wild card spot. The Seahawks have an incredibly difficult schedule coming up, so I don't see them even staying afloat just because they they have a lot of questions themselves. So if you look at what they can do, the Rams, yes, they play the Browns and the Ravens, and those are two hard games. But other than that, you might get the, the 49ers in Week 18 playing for nothing, and they may just rest some people in the second half. You don't know that. But they, there is a very good path for the Rams to get to the playoffs now, and that's something that... I probably wouldn't have said, like you said, Arash, two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I wanted to add something about the Rams, too, because you look at the schedule, and they're playing good complementary football. Everyone's kind of, you know, buying in. Um, I think that's huge, especially, you know, with Cooper Cup not looking like himself. Pukunakua didn't even have a whole lot of yards today, and they still found a way to win. 2-2, you know, brings a vertical aspect to that offense. Kyron, shout out St. Louis. Um, that's where he's from. Uh, it's balling. Uh, I think the Browns game's a gimme, uh, to be honest right now with, with, with DTR quarterback <laughs> or whoever, P, PJ Walker. Niners only lost that game because Christian McCaffrey and, and Debo were injured in the second half. I mean, and they were on the road. And now with Miles Garrett arm in a sling and you play him next weekend, like I think that's a gimme game. The games I'm looking at are Ravens and Niners. Those are the only two games I think on the schedule. And Grant said it, the Niners could be sitting people in that game if the Eagles already have the one seed locked up or vice versa, you know, and there's nothing to play for. Like if the Lions lose another game or two more games and then Niners have two or three locked up, whatever, that could be a gimme too. But I see nine wins on their schedule right now. I really do. And I think, you know, that could be enough in the NFC to get you. And they own the tiebreaker over the Seahawks, like Grant says. I mean, it's the Seahawks have a brutal schedule. So I think the Rams could do it. Definitely have a better chance than the Chargers. Well, speaking of the Chargers, perfect segue there. Uh, this decision may have already been made by the time you guys are uh, tuning in. But as we're recording this, um, Brandon Staley still the head coach of the uh, Chargers. Um, not that I expected them to be the number one seed in the conference, uh, but they they just played so poorly. I, I felt and defensively they've struggled. They've regressed. Uh, you know, the big question that I don't know 
the answer to is whether or not he's lost his team, whether or not he's lost the locker room. I know that was the case with Josh McDaniels when they made that call. That may not be the case now, which is why uh, they may stick with Brandon Staley. But wanted to get your guys' thoughts. First, you, Grant, on the uh, Chargers. I mean, this is a team when you just look on paper, talent-wise, should be in the playoff conversation. And for the first time, I really think you can turn the page on that. This team is not making the playoffs. And so the question is, at what point do you cut ties with Brandon Staley? And what do you do with this team? Arash, the the fact that the Rams have a better record than the Chargers (laughs) in Week 12 is just telling about what kind of disappointment this team has been through this year. Um, I I can't really give a statement on to when Brandon Staley could be fired because, look, we've said multiple times, I can't even count on a hand how many times that we've said that, oh, Brandon Staley's on the hot seat, he may be fired (laughs) Monday, and they let him go throughout the week, and he ends up finishing a season or finishing that week. And I just don't know if that front office is ready to make a decision in season. And I know that they're four and seven and the season's kind of lost at this point, but just the way that they're losing Arash, like their offense could not get anything going an offense that still included Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler and, and uh, Justin Herbert. And they just have so many weapons that you can point to and say, wow, if you put these guys together on li- literally any other team, they'd probably be 10 and three or what nine and three at this point. And I just can't put my finger. Maybe Brandon can help me about, you know, I, I watch all their games and I'm thinking, you know, they're in these or, you know, they have a chance to do this. And there's maybe one or two penalties or plays that kind of change the, the, the effect of the game. And it looks like it ruins their confidence or they just lose some type of fight and hope at some point in all these games look they they only allowed what 13 16 points i mean i know there's a late touchdown but 13 to 16 points against a ravens team that is touted as one of the best in the afc so you look at games like that and you say okay well finally their defense did it but then their offense didn't and then you know their offense does it and then their defense lets them down so brandon i want to you know pass it on to you but man it's just so frustrating you know i'm not even a fan of the chargers but even watching them and covering them, it's just so frustrating to watch. Yeah, I have a, I have a few things. Uh, I think there's a multitude of issues. Obviously, Staley's primarily at the front of those issues, and we've talked about it for how long, Arash? Two years now? <laughs> well, yeah, two Staley. years. I mean, yeah. Yeah, we thought he'd be fired after the Jaguars debacle and the year before the timeout against the Raiders, too. I mean, he finds a way. It's like a bad penny. He just doesn't go away, right? He always <laughs> comes back. And it's, I think partly you don't, you don't want to make a decision mid season. I get that. Uh, you know, you're going to probably go after Bill Belichick in the off season. That's for coaching. Brandon Staley, you know, it's either he, he's, he's going to get fired at some point. It's just a matter of time. Right. So yeah. that's not even the question I'm looking at. First of all, you mentioned Austin Eckler grant. I mean, bro's moving like a run, like a fullback. I hate to say it. I mean, he must be still hurt. He, he was averaging, I heard 13 miles per hour on a run the other day. And that's like by far like the worst for a running back in the NFL. Someone made a joke that Trey Pimpkins, the offensive tackle, was running that fast <laughs> on that same possession trying to block. I mean, he must be still hurt. He still can catch the ball. But Kellen, and then there's going to be a lot of flack uh, on Kellen Moore, a lot of criticism, right? But he, I feel like those play calls were fine. Uh, if you look at the turnovers, he's not out there playing football anymore. He's not the one fumbling the ball four times against arguably the best defense in football. I think we just have to look at these close games like, yeah, Staley's a problem. But I feel like we're going to start once they have a new coach. Can Herbert actually win these games? Mm-hmm. Does he have it in him to win these games? Because every single time it's down to the wire, 
I haven't seen him win a big game. I just haven't. And I, you know, partly that's on Staley, of course, but at the end of the day, it seems like he's lackadaisical on these possessions. Like you can just see it in his eyes on the sideline before, like where you look at a guy like even Josh Allen, he wants to win. He hasn't, but he wants to win in overtime. Like he's locked in the greats, like Burrow, like Mahomes, just look, go down the list. They're locked in. And I just don't see that from Herbert. He has all the talent in the world, probably the second or third most talented quarterback in the NFL. And I just kind of see like, eh, you know, I got my money. If I lose, I lose, you know, like I want to win, but what can I do? And it's like, well, you got to be able to win those games because they've lost seven, I think, in a row, close games decided by three or less points. That's unacceptable. A lot of that falls on the quarterback. Uh, let's switch gears to the in-season tournament um, or just the NBA in general. You know, the uh, Clippers had a, a weird kind of stretch there where they didn't look so great, but then they blew out the Dallas Mavericks, which kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, so I, I want to get both of your guys' thoughts on both the Clippers and the Lakers. But first, a great you on the Clippers, um, you know, the fact that they blew out the Mavs, did that make you change your thoughts on the, them at all? I mean, again, they have not looked great. We're still at the beginning stages where they're still trying to figure out how to play together. Arash, the, the tune has changed a lot, I think, in terms of how I view this team. Uh, after that that six-game stretch where they just couldn't get anything to fall in their place and their way, they've rattled off four or five wins, uh, four wins in five games, I should say. And then, you know, they played a back-to-back Friday, Saturday, Friday, um, you know, against the Pelicans. They looked yeah. good. They were down by 21 and came back. That was the Clippers-type yeah. team that we saw a couple years ago. They finally enacted that. Of course, they lost down the stretch, so that was a little bit of a of a blow. But you come back Saturday on a back-to-back, Kawhi, Paul George, Russell yeah. Westbrook, James Harden, all playing, all healthy in a back-to-back. If you even told me that before the season, I'd probably be happy as a Clipper fan. But, you know, the fact that they came out and just dominated a team that usually owns them in the regular season. Of course, the Clippers have had their success in the postseason against the Mavericks. But Luka Doncic always goes off against them. And they looked a little bit to contain him. You know, he still still scored 20-plus points. But they contained him enough to kind of get themselves in the game. And they never gave up their lead. And that is something that I did not see in this fir- the first couple of games with James Harden is the fact that they're finally getting it together in the fourth quarter. They're they're planning their foot. They're they're keeping their leads. And you know I, I know that there's there's a lot of talk about their record right now. And Kawhi Leonard looks a little bit washed. If by January Kawhi Leonard still looks like this, then I'd be worried. But right now I'm not because they're winning games without the need of services of Kawhi Leonard and without the need of services of James Harden scoring-wise. I mean, they blew him out by 20 points, the Mavericks, and they didn't even need Kawhi Leonard or James Harden to score. That should be a plus and something that people should be saying, wow, that is actually pretty impressive because the Mavericks are a top five seed in the West right now. So to get a win on a back-to-back, that's huge. Of course, it's still a gauntlet. They have to play the Nuggets. They have to play a lot of teams upcoming. It's not going to be easy, but there are signs that are that, that I can point to and say, okay, well, they're getting better at least, and they still have, what, 60-something, 70-something yeah. teams left to get it together. So there are signs, Arash. But Brandon, your thoughts on the Clippers so far? Yeah, they need another big, um, especially someone who can stretch the floor. I think Daniel Thias is a, you know, he's an immediate um, option, but they need something long-term. And by the way, Kawhi, Grant brings up a good point. Kawhi looked like this last year until the second half of the season. I mean, the guy is a, he's a, he's a money player. He's, he's preparing his body, 
you know, for the postseason, as long as they can stay healthy, which is a big if, they'll be there at the end. I mean, I, we're finally seeing Harden play better. So I'd like to see Highland in the rotation, but what can you do? You With know. the Lakers, you know, we, we kind of joked about this, but it's really true. You know, if, if they have a in-season tournament game, they're going all out. And this, they're going to win by uh, a blowout margin. But um, listen, I mean, you know, solid win at Cleveland. Now they uh, go on uh, the road tonight uh, to play the Sixers. Um Brandon, I guess I'll start with you. The Lakers, your thoughts on them so far this season? Really impressed. Um, I think, you know, they're if we're looking at it right now on a scale of, like, who has impressed the most in the Western Conference, I'd put them first or second just on the injuries they have. I mean, they're eighth in defensive rating. They don't even have their three best defenders. You have Max Christie out there looking like Jaden McDaniels all of a sudden. And it's like, what I mean, like Phil Handy's done an excellent job developing these guys. And sure, it's not going to, you know, come to fruition every game. The Mavericks game, their offense was terrible. And what have I said about this team for the longest time? They're going to win a championship if they do on defense. They're never going to win on offense. I know they scored 131 in an in-season tournament game twice. We were at the other one where they shot like 67% from three, which will never happen again. It's truly a special moment. But, um, you know, Christie coming in, the depth, I mean, like, Guys, Reeves off the bench, they're seven and two. The Mavericks game, you know, I know we don't want to say pity win. Like we talked about when Rui locked up Jokic after game one, like, oh, it was kind of a moral victory. You know, <laughs> same thing in the Mavericks game. Like, sure, you'd want to win. LeBron took some bad, made some bad decisions. They also don't get the lead without LeBron, right? But just coming back 24 to like six run or 21 to six run at the end of that game showed the resilience of that team. And they knew what they lost that game. They needed to go into Cleveland and win. And they did just that. Philly is not a must-win game. Um, they're on the road. I do think it's one of those games they're not going to be as amped. But then they'll win the next two. That's something this Laker team does. They kind of have games picked where they need to perform. And they always step up to the level. When they absolutely need a win, they win. If that makes sense. And yeah. I think that shows the resilience. They have a good defense. And they're only going to get better. Grant, your thoughts on the Los Angeles Lakers? Yeah, they uh, they've I honestly performed up to my expectations because my expectations were them to be a top three seed in the West, one of the best rosters in the league, and they've proven that. Honestly, there's a reason that when you're you know some of your key players go out, you can still stay afloat. That's because you have great depth, and you have guys like Max Christie step in there and play excellent defense on a guy like Donovan Mitchell, who gives a lot of guys fits, and for yeah. for a guy like Max Christie to do that. I wouldn't say cold off the bench, but he hasn't gotten enough playing time, in my opinion. I think he should be one of the rotation guys. To have a guy like that lock up one of the best best stars in the league, I think that shows what kind of team this Laker team is. Christian Wood has been playing fantastic. I didn't see that coming. They're going to get Rui back. They're going to get Vanderbilt back soon. Gabe Vincent, I'm sure, is coming back soon as well. I haven't heard many updates on him, but... To be honest, they don't really need him. It's just going to be another addition for this Laker team that looks fantastic. When LeBron is healthy and Anthony Davis is healthy, and you can supplement them with not just good players, but young good players like Jackson Hayes, like Austin Reeves. You know, you have guys that are now young and entering their prime or in their prime that can play defense and can shoot. Torin Prince had a, a little bit of a slump, but he has been really good for the Lakers. This roster is built to win a championship in the end. And I know they're going to lose games. Like Brandon said, they're not always going to be 100% the best team in the league. They're going to have games where they take games off. Like you, like we've said before, 
they take those in-season tournament games like all the money's on the line, like their contracts are on the line. That's right. They pick and choose when they want to play well, but when they do play well, there's a reason why they are. They have great depth, they have good young talent, and their two stars are healthy. And I just really believe in the Lakers this year. I still think they're going to be a top three seed in the West for that reason. I wanted to close out on this, and I want to start with you, Brandon. I mean, this is like the last year of the Pac-12. The Pac-12 championship game is this week in Las Vegas. Washington and Oregon playing for the right to uh, go to, to the college football playoff, which is amazing because for so many years, as you know, recently, uh, there's, there's there's been a very good Pac-12 uh, team that's missed out on the playoff. That will not be the case this year. The winner of the Pac-12 championship game will go to, to the college football playoff. They've had, again, two of, two of the top five teams in the country. They've, they had the hottest team in the country at the beginning of the year in Colorado. All that's to say that this conference is going away, that this is the last Pac-12 football game. Brandon, your thoughts. Are you sad? Or did you see this day coming, uh, that this is the end of the Pac-12 this week? Yeah, I am kind of sad. I am a big Pac-12 guy. I grew up with it. I grew up, you know, watching Stanford um, play and Andrew Luck and everything. And, it, you know, it's 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 bittersweet to see it. Sure, you know, I would have loved to see USC compete more in the final year there. But, you know, we probably one of the biggest, I mean, we could go all day about one of the biggest disappointments <laughs> in history. Yeah. Bring back arguably the best college football player ever, one of them, and then you lose five games. I, I mean, you shouldn't even need to have a defense you should win more than, you know, lo not lose five games. Yeah. But I, I do think I wanted to end on this. Oregon and Washington, both very good teams. Oregon's been playing much better football. Like, I don't think it's close. I think it'll be uh, a 10 to 14 point win for Oregon. Oh, um, wow. You know, Washington is resilient. I think Oregon's the best team in the country besides Georgia. And, you know, in Michigan right now, I'd put them three. Uh, and I think they could upset somebody once they get in. Bo Nix is playing the best football I've seen from a college player you know, in a long time. So I think, I think it's, I think it's Oregon on top. Grant, real quick, your thoughts, 60 seconds, who wins the Pac-12 championship? Yeah, I got Oregon as well. There, there's a lot of question marks about Washington. Yes, they're a very talented team and I love Michael Penix Jr., but they have stumbled a little bit down the stretch. Oregon is playing just sensational football. After that Washington loss, they've won six straight and Bo Nix looks like a solidified Heisman guy. I mean, I, I wish the Rams would go and get him, but I don't think our <laughs> draft pick's going to be that high. But, yeah, uh, yeah I, I got Oregon. And, you know, I, I hope it's just a great game to send the Pac-12 off because I grew up watching it just like all of us have. And yeah. um, it's going to be bittersweet as, as well. It's just surreal to see it come to a close like this. And, of course, this is the way that it comes to a close where it's like two of the top five teams in the country, they're going to have a team in the college football playoff. They're going to have potentially the Heisman Trophy winner. If not, they're going to have a couple of players there in New York. And, like, this is a top-tier conference. And for them to disintegrate the way that they have is a shame. But, uh, you know, a lot of years of mismanagement will do that to you. And so Got to wait for the 30 for 30, Arash. <laughs> exactly. No doubt about that. Uh, you guys are the best. We will have you back on probably again this week. Uh, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.